I don't see any. I mean, nothing's changed yet. So, I mean, the cold's kind of a pain, and I don't like being cold, but, I mean, it hasn't changed anything with the practices. So, uh, it's been no difference so far. So, it's been all about the altitude, um, which um, they say helps us. So, hopefully that will. Um, I do think it's supposed to snow tonight, so that could change some stuff up tomorrow. Um, the only thing I think it will possibly change, we just might go indoor. Yeah, we talked through that. Um, ultimately, you know, our sports medicine staff um, and sports science group uh, felt like we could get a good plan here and, and keep the guys here and, and kind of maximize what we wanted to do, and that's what we settled on. Uh, two different coaches, two different strategies heading into the same football game on Monday night as we continue the Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports. First, you heard from Kyle Shanahan there, Bick, the uh, head coach of the 49ers, whose team picked up. Set up camp in Colorado Springs to acclimate to what is an extreme case yeah. of elevation for mm-hmm. football. Um, you know, you, if you go to Denver and play, um, you're at 5,280 yeah. feet of elevation. Yeah. You're over 7,000 feet of elevation playing in Mexico City. So I, but I think Colorado, Colorado Springs is even higher than Denver, if I'm not mistaken. A, 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 by a little bit, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But you're right. But they're still not even at the altitude that Mexico City is. True. What was interesting to me is the the footage. First of all, have you, have you ever been to Air Force Academy? I've not. It is a stunningly gorgeous campus. Yeah, it it, it it the setting is unreal. The football field is beautiful. It's right in the mountains. It is just it is picturesque beyond belief. Um, but what's also interesting is the 49ers rolled into practice and it was 25 degrees and it was flurrying yesterday. So the question becomes, OK, you're training in altitude, but how good are your practices? If if they've got to go indoors, you, you, you compromise a little bit. Because that their indoor facility isn't that big, mm-hmm. and and uh, but if you go outdoors and you practice in, in that kind of weather, what is the quality of your practice given the conditions? It's it's interesting, but but it also is a commitment from the 49ers to let's make sure we get on top of this before we get to Mexico City. Yeah, and as you pointed out earlier, the risk for the Cardinals is if they are sucking wind in the second half. That's no bueno. Yeah, and and Cliff Kingsbury in that soundbite was asked, hey, did you consider doing something similar? You know, 90 minutes up the road, two hours up the road, you got Flagstaff, um, which is even higher elevation, closer to what you'll play in in Mexico City. And he talked about the sports medicine advantages of not doing that. Um, we shall see. Now, I, I don't remember, because you went, when the Cardinals played the 49ers in Mexico City years ago in the, in the 2000s, you went to that game, correct? I did, yes. Do you remember if the Cardinals did train differently? Because that was pre, it was definitely pre-State Farm Stadium, but the facility was there. I don't, I don't remember if they went up to Flagstaff to practice for that game. No, be, no, because they went into Mexico City much That's earlier. True. That's much true. Much earlier. So they got they, acclimated there. Exactly. Okay. I, I think they went in. Uh, they might have gone in the Monday before the game because back then That's they right. did a lot of promotional yes, stuff. Yes, they did. And and so if, if my memory serves correct, they they had a lot of time on the ground in Mexico City to get acclimated. It's a fascinating study in contrast because, like you said, Flagstaff's right up the road. You, you would think that you could find a way. Uh, I don't know what the what the arrangement between the Cardinals and Northern Arizona University is. Probably not in a great place. Probably not the greatest place. <laughs> But it's it, it it also kind of speaks to is this cost related? Do you not want to put in that kind of investment? What the 49ers are doing costs money. Oh, it does. There's no doubt. Uh, Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator of the Cardinals, had his media session yesterday. 
He spoke about dealing with the altitude in Mexico City. I think you figure it out as you go. You know, I played half my football years in Colorado. And the bottom line is this. If you're playing good, you win. If you don't play good, you probably won't win. You know, no one ever talked about it in Colorado at all. You know, and it was it was never a big deal in Denver. You know, it was kind of a thing that we used for us to kind of push forward in the fourth quarter, you know, where we train. But... No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't win much as a head coach there, so it, it, it didn't matter much in Denver, you know. So, again, guys, it's it's a mindset. Honestly, it's a mindset. You know, it's like going from the west to the east coast. It's a mindset. Some teams go Friday, some teams go Saturday. You show up and play good, you win. That's the bottom line. But obviously, if guys are getting tired on Monday night, you're going to have guys sub out. And it's That's for the big guys especially, but most of it's mindset. Now, on the again, on the other side, San Francisco linebacker Fred Warner talked about how important it is to get acclimated to the altitude. You feel it most when you start to like string plays together in a series and you're, you're sprinting you know, back and forth and the heart rate just doesn't come down as quickly. So um, it's good that we're out here doing it now so that when we get to Monday, it's not just like a complete shock to us. It was altitude back in Utah uh, when I was at BYU, so um, sort of familiar with it. Obviously, you you acclimate, you deacclimate, depending on if you're in it or not. Um, so I'm happy that we're here. I'm happy we're, we're getting the chance to acclimate before the game. Do you find benefits of acclimating now that carry over? You know, when you kind of get to that point and come back to sea level where it's a little easier, is that possible? I think the, the, the biggest advantage you have is being in it acclimating to it so you know it's not such a shock to you on game day um i think once we all get back to sea level it's all back to kind of just normal like you you get out of it like that like it's quick yeah i i I think i'll freely admit maybe this is too big of a storyline i think if the san francisco 49ers win on monday i don't think the reason will be altitude i think what's when it's a one-off like this we're talking about very well-conditioned professional athletes in all of it but I think where the difference in altitude comes in, and you can use like the NAU cross country teams as an example, they win national championships all the time because they're in it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's an advantage to where you know they're not dealing with the altitude and they go somewhere else. They just dominate these meets. Um, but I, I am fascinated by the difference in opinions, the difference of strategies. Here. Some uh, inside info here. Yeah, that Darren Urban. Okay. Texted me, said that in 2005, the Cardinals did the same plan as now. It was a Sunday game, and they went yes. in on Friday. Uh, one walkthrough in Mexico. This year, they're leaving on Saturday. One walkthrough, okay. and then Monday. So, it wasn't a full team that's, week long there. That's it, weird. It's because I, I remember, remember the, the, the diplomacy stuff, too, but that might have just been like front office just, members. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, because yeah, I remember there was a function with Dennis Green that I thought was midweek. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Okay, well, thank you, Darren, for the uh, for the clarification on that. Um, yeah, that's this is I do I do agree with you. I think that if, if for anybody who's been in altitude, if you're not in good shape, you can be oh. susceptible to altitude sickness. And yeah, and once you <laughs> once you lose your breath, it's hard to get that back. These are very very well conditioned athletes. You're right about that. So so the difference it makes probably is around the margins, uh-huh. you know. But you don't want you don't want to give you don't want to give any edge away at all. That's true. And just on that one front, if you're going coming up with your checklist of advantages possible advantages you got to give that advantage to to san francisco because the way that they're preparing for it well and it's quite the investment as you said but you know this is a big game for them as well unless unless this excursion as i said leads to low quality practices for the 49ers where they're getting acclimated but they're just not getting a lot out of the work now on that on that note another text this time from jay feely said that uh when he was in 
played for the Giants and the Jets, they would practice outside in 25-degree weather all the time, and it didn't affect anything. Yeah. Yeah, once you master those conditions. Look at Jarrett. People love him. Jared, just no, a lot of a lot of fans of the show. <laughs> Look at now, all these people just texting. People, people, are, people are getting off Twitter and they're just uh, listening to the show and texting me <laughs> their thoughts instead of putting them on Twitter. <laughs> I'm the new Twitter, I guess. You are the conduit, Jared. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, we're to come up with a new <laughs> name great. for this uh, this social That's media fabulous. platform. Coming up next, we've had the discussions recently about DeAndre Ayton and the waning aggressiveness we've seen from the fifth year center. General Manager James Jones spoke about it with Burns and Gambo yesterday, too. We'll get into that and more next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings on this Friday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata Mornings. I'll always encourage it. Um, like I said, it, it's it's always a, a, a topic of discussion. It's always like you want more of all those things. You know, you want more off the dribble creativity. You want more range from shooting. You want more free throws. Um, and that's that hasn't changed. He knows that. Um, eventually, over time, we hope that we can lead in all those categories. But until then, we have to really make sure that we find a way to be effective until we get to where we want to be. That is James Jones, general manager of the Suns. His weekly visit with Burns and Gambo happening yesterday here on uh, Arizona Sports. Actually, that might have been Wednesday. Regardless, Mm -hmm. uh, those were his most recent comments. And talking about there, the subject of the evolution of DeAndre Ayton, the question posed, would you like to see Ayton seek more contact uh, as he evolves? Um, I've said it. you know our our differences on, on our discussions on DeAndre Ayton are pretty well chronicled on this show over mm-hmm. the first four years of his career, uh, and some of them got pretty heated. Mm-hmm. I think we're both in the same place now. DeAndre Ayton is a veteran in this league. DeAndre Ayton is a highly paid veteran yeah. in this league. Yeah, and we are seeing. And I don't think this is DeAndre Ayton. You know what we're going to see every night. I, I I still believe that. But we're in the midst of a stretch right now where there's. Far too many of those moments where you're questioning, you know, DeAndre Ayton's willingness to to get dirty, if you will. Yeah, uh, he's right. he's on a streak of three straight games without shooting a free throw. Which, for a guy who plays that many minutes at that position uh, and what he's asked to do, that is a concern right yeah, there. It is. It really, really is, and so I think that um, this this stretch of basketball. It, in fact, there have been games recently where I've where I've liked his engagement, but the softness is really starting to crop up again. And and just the minute you know he gets the ball in the lane, the idea of let's feed the ball to DeAndre Ayton in the post, let's get him touches. It sounds good. It sounds like something that is really an untapped resource for this basketball team. But you've got to have a guy who, when he gets the ball, has more than jump hooks and fadeaways. Uh-huh. You've got to have somebody who's going to power through stuff on his way to the basket, or or you as a basketball team, you're going to suffer. And and the vibe of it all does matter. It can bring it. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, as a guy that used to play a ton of rec league kind of basketball, I was on a team that had a guy that was kind of like the rec league version of DeAndre Ayton. He was six foot four. He was incredibly athletic, and he would never, ever enter the paint. Mm-hmm. Ever. 
all he would do is linger on the outside and shoot threes. And every now and again, he'd have a 30-point game. But, the, but we, the rest of us, we were livid at this guy on a constant basis because of everything he was leaving on the table. And that's happening in a rec league gym. Imagine what it might be with real competitors, real athletes, guys who have real skin in the game. Yeah, there was one moment in the Golden State game, and it was late, and, and the game was... Not decided, but it was well on that way. Well on the way to being decided. DeAndre Ayton in the post on a switch got matched up against Steph Curry, which you know is an eight-inch differential in height. Uh, he wasn't double teamed, so nor I mean a, a center right there would would view that a couple ways. All right, they call it mouse in the house. There's a mouse in the house. You got to feed that guy, right? Right. So you feed that guy, and goal number one is. Three point play and absolutely embarrassing the guy who just tried to to guard, and you. then maybe making the popular too small gesture, yes. like a lot of NBA players do. Like, Which I really, hate, I you're hate, gonna, by the way, yeah, I don't, I don't like it either. <laughs> but but it's 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 speaking to exactly what you're saying. The the indignation you're going to put that guy on me. Yes, okay. Watch as I dunk on his head. Goal two, you get an easy basket. You know, maybe not the embarrassment, maybe not an earth-shattering dunk, but you just turn and flip it into the hoop. Right. Uh, Goal number three, no basket, but you're getting to the free throw line. None of those three things happened on that one play, and I sensed there was some on-court frustration from some of DeAndre Ayton's teammates. Yes. Again, three straight games without a free throw. Uh, James Jones was asked by Burns and Gambo about that. How much does it hurt? When Aiton can't get to the free throw line, it hurts if you know if, if you can't like it, it hurts a lot uh, if you if that's your game right if your team relies on you having a guy in the middle drawing fouls drawing contact to push you to the penalty um, it, it hurts you um, but you know for us I think across the board uh, we're a team that traditionally doesn't draw a lot of fouls because we're a team that that plays in flow and, and you have to pick your spot. But we we also don't want, um, and and this is a message for all of our guys, we don't want to turn it into a free throw seeking contest where all we do is we gauge like how effective we can be by how many free throws we can draw, how much contact we can get. Uh, Because now you put it, one, in the referee's hands, and as we've seen, um, it's, it's uneven sometimes. And so if that becomes your game, you become subject to trying to do something or, or manage a game that's out of your control. So you just have to strike a balance. But, you know, there's really no right answer to how many free throws you should draw and whether or not you should be a free throw team. Um, each player has a different profile and, and they're successful different ways. I think that's great stuff from so James Jones. And I think striking a balance is the key. Uh, he's right. The Suns are never going to be a team that's near the top of the league. In, in free throw attempts because of the way that they play. Uh, and I know you appreciate the part where he says you don't want to be a free throw seeking team I to go out of your way to change what, change what you're doing. But that balance in the middle is you can't have your five not getting to the line ever. No. Well, you, I foolishly thought when, when the Suns drafted uh, DeAndre Ayton number one, you're like, I, I remember saying this on the air. It's like, that, that's eight free points a night at the line because he's a good free throw shooter. He's going to get to the line 10 times a night. If he hits 80%, that's eight points a night. 
That's not happened, obviously. No. But it can't be zero. I, I love what James Jones just said there because, as you know, the foul hunting that was going on at the end of the last season, the, the basketball team was clearly distracted by it and just throwing off their game. And, and it was really a, it was really unbecoming of, 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 of a basketball team. So I'm really glad that James Jones kind of has that same vibe and, and uh-huh. feel about what he wants going forward. But when you have physical advantages in the NBA, you have to take advantage of them. That's the difference. Yes. When you've got a big size mismatch, especially down on the blocks, and especially with a guy like DeAndre Aiden, then you've got to lean on that. Not to draw fouls, but to just to exert your physicality. And it'll change everything. You start to be aggressive. You'd be amazing how much friendlier these referees are going to seem. I know I brought this play up, but you know, sitting courtside for that DeAndre Aiden dunk in game six, when he elbowed Luke at the end of it because he was just so angry. If if T.A. could just bottle that anger he felt in that minute and bring it to one game, that dunk and what he did physically to Luke on that play, you could see the Mavericks like, whoa, we didn't know that guy had that in him. Mm Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, and the game was pretty much out of reach at that time anyway. So it really was just a moment that came and went. But it was just what he, what he is capable of and what he's leaving on the table. It's it's a, almost a tragedy for the people who can see what he has. And, and D.A., he doesn't view himself that way. And it's just it's it's frustrating, man. It, I tell you, it's just so frustrating because he has just got so many gifts. And, and you know, part of why people love him is the very reason why he can't play that way. He's just too sweet of a guy, too I, sweet of an easy breezy guy. I told you this off the air, but I, I I've gotten to know a guy who's involved in, in in the local coaching community and had experience coaching DeAndre Ayton in the high school ranks. And the phrase that he used to describe him, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. But along those lines, he's like, DA is just a beautiful soul. Yeah. Like, and, right, you know, and and if he if he had gentle that kind giant, of, yeah, if he had that kind of jerk face in him, where he'd want to dunk on people and flex on people, and he wouldn't be who he is. It's you know, we're, we all have our blessings and our curses, and very often they're one and the same. That being Every said, last one of us. I'm I'm. It's going to happen soon. Maybe tonight is the night where DeAndre Ayton has one of those breakout games. Because we've seen these these lulls in his career before, and they never last very long. They are shorthanded again. I don't but think the Chris breakout games also don't last very long. That, that is yeah. true. Um, th- that's why the, the 2021 playoffs were such a revelation when everybody was like, oh my goodness. And that might also be why they made the finals that year. They don't make the finals without DeAndre Ayton in those first three series. Sorry. No, they don't. That might have been the difference. Yeah. Uh, Do you know a high school student with great character deserving of a $10,000 scholarship? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Just text the word character to 620-620 and share their story. That's character to 620-620 to get involved in character counts. Coming up next, the big stories of the day. Repackaged, rebooted on the Rush Hour Reboot by Sarah Cazell. We'll do it next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams.
Good morning to you. Welcome into Bickley Emirata Mornings and the Rush Hour Reboot, more specifically, uh, here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Every day at 7.30, we take you through the top stories of the day in Arizona sports and beyond, so you don't even need Twitter. We've got you covered. Everything right here. <laughs> right? It's still alive. It's Is still it alive. dead yet? She's still breathing. <laughs> Keep it up, girl. All right. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Just poke it every hour to make sure it's okay. Exactly. With Vince Murata. Jared, are you pumped? Jared Carlin? Cover me in cheese, baby. <laughs> well, now I'm pumped. I am pumped. Tremendous. All right. Let's get into our top stories of the day. Uh, we're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals. They leave for Mexico City tomorrow for Monday Night Football against the San Francisco 49ers. A very exciting game ahead. Uh, a lot of significant names on the Cardinals injury report from yesterday. DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice, listed with a hamstring issue. Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy, uh, both dealing with their respective leg injuries. Byron Murphy Jr. missed Sunday against the Rams. He was still out of practice yesterday, and same goes for DJ Humphreys. And then Buda Baker uh, resting up as well. Cardinals DC Vance Joseph spoke yesterday about the magnitude of this game coming up on Monday night. Obviously, right now it's a division game, and you know it's a chance to win two in a row you know, for this team, and that's huge for us. But yeah. I mean, every year you have games like this. And since he won year, we had to win three in a row to make the playoffs. You know, so I've been there before, and it's no different each year. But this is a big, big game for us, being a divisional game and being, you know, two in a row for our team. So, you know, everyone's locked in to hopefully play our best football on Monday. We're excited about it. All right, a big, big game, he calls it. The Cardinals are four and six. The 49ers are five and four, sitting right above them in the division. And um, we've said it a few times. There have been multiple must-win games for the uh-huh. Cardinals this season multiple points where you're at the top of the roller coaster and you're like "Ooh, are they just going to crash or you know what's what's going to happen from here so as far as the trajectory of the cardinals season how much would a win or a loss impact the rest of the year for the cardinals like would they be done if they lose to the yeah, 49ers I, yes not 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 mathematically they wouldn't be because you, you know you'd be sitting at four and seven and and you still can get into the playoffs from that point in time but uh, that to me this just seems like it this is the game that it's either going to be back in it or out of it for good. If you're three games under 500 with only, what, six to play, Mm -hmm. you'd have a hard time coming back from that. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with the way that Bick framed it. Um, Mathematically, no. Psychologically, probably. And physically, you can make a real good argument for that. But Mm. remember how Hard Knock started episode one with that carrot that that was kind of put out there by Cliff Kingsbury. We have three games against division opponents. We win the first two. We're playing for first place on Monday night. You get past that three-game stretch and you're one and two. What does that do for you, for your own personal belief level? I mean, yeah, that's it's true. That's you know, that does a lot to your to your conf- to shoot your confidence. Sure. So, um, mathematically, no. Psychologically, yes. Mm, but two and one though, coming out of that stretch, that and it, it's not just a two and one. It's it's a win over a re- a, a team that is surging that everybody's yes. kind of got a, the star next to. Watch out for these guys. Yeah, totally. Right. And the Cardinals have been close in a couple of these. Games. Games, the Vikings and the Eagles both come to mind, but yes. again, it's a, but that also close doesn't matter. A and B, it's what Mark Schlereth says. He doesn't believe this team is functionally built to to win those kind of grinded True. out games against good teams in the final seven eight minutes of a of a fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. you have enough talent to be in a lot of games. Yep, and 
You'll lose a lot of close games. Yeah. 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 All right. We heard from 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan yesterday from a very chilly Colorado Springs football field where the 49ers are practicing this week uh, to prepare for the elevation in Mexico City. Shanahan spoke about preparing for both Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy. They're still going to run a similar offense with both. Um, so you still got schematic. You got to be ready. I mean, there's definitely some different skill sets and stuff. But, I mean, we saw both last year. So um, our defense knows from going against both of them, they're both a problem. And um, you got to be ready for both. All right. He mentioned the differing skill sets between Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy. Assuming both are totally healthy, which quarterback's playing style do you think better matches up against the 49ers? Um, I'll go with Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, if, they're, if they're both healthy. Kyle Shanahan's right. He's seen them both. Um, both have had success against the 49ers in recent years. Mm-hmm. I'll go with Kyler Murray on that one. Last couple of years, um, if I remember correctly, the 49ers, one of their issues were with the mobile, elusive, dual-threat kind of quarterback. That's Kyler Murray. That's not Colt McCoy. Yeah. I don't know if this 49ers defense, especially with Fred Warner playing as well as he has, is, is the same kind of thing the same kind of deal. But, but I do think if both are equally healthy, the, the higher ceiling guy is Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. If he's ready for the moment. If he is ready. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Before the Warriors played the Suns a couple days ago, the Warriors head coach, Steve Kerr, said this to ESPN's Ramona Shelburne about the Warriors core group that's been part of that championship run. And Vince, I, I believe you mentioned this mm-hmm. yes, on yesterday's show, actually. He said, quote, we know this isn't going forever. This could be the last year. Maybe next year is the last year. We are in the final stages. We know that. So earlier in the week, after the Cardinals beat the Rams, you guys declared the Rams season over. And if the Warriors run as an NBA power is over... Which descent is more significant to their respective Arizona counterpart? The fall of the Rams for the Arizona Cardinals or the fall of the Warriors for the Phoenix Suns? You want to tackle this one first, Bick? I have a definitive thought. No, go ahead. uh, To me, it's clearly the Warriors' descent. Because they've been, you know, outside of an injury-plague two-year stretch where they were not a factor, they've been just a nightmare to deal with for everybody. Yeah, but the, if you just look at the two local teams, the Suns are more equipped to jump into that driver's seat if the Warriors are, are going to give it up than the Cardinals are right now. And look, in the NFL, you get to the top, you win a Super Bowl. It's likely a one-year proposition. We're not yeah, seeing so those teams that no. are you know Stringing on top together, for yeah. three, no. four, five years yeah, like yeah. the NBA. So yeah. to that me, it's Golden State. Well said. That that is very, very true about the NFL. Everything is a one-year proposition, especially now. with the Rams. I mean, the Rams mortgaged yes. their future for a Super Bowl they championship, did. and there's this debate going on: was it, it worth yeah. it? Because I I still think it was. You went, you win the ultimate prize. And you're you're you know validated with what you did in terms of punting on draft picks, but the they, they got what they were going for. Mortgage their future yes. for a championship. Yes. Was it worth it? I think we can all say yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, the, the difference is I, to the question, and I think Vinny's right. But the the one caveat is, I know for a fact the Rams are done this season. I do not know for a fact the Warriors are done. Oh, yeah, I have definitely more faith in the Warriors to get it together. Now they've got their issues. Certainly. Oh, they do. Yeah. 
Yes. All right. Quickly, we've got to give some love to ASU men's hoops. BFH, baby. Ah. Bobby freaking Hurley. <laughs> they had a huge win last night. They beat Michigan, the number 20 team in the country, by 25 points, 87-62 the final score. Desmond Cambridge Jr. transferred from Nevada, scored 20. DJ Horn had 19. ASU shot 58% from three. 60% for the game, like from the floor. Wild. Yeah. Uh, wild. What have you guys thought about ASU so far this, this season? Is, uh, this, I, I'm, I'm really happy for Bobby Hurley. I'm very happy for Doug Tamaro. I'm very happy with everybody in that tournament, given all the bad breaks they've had and all the bad beats they've had over the last couple of years and, and, and how the program's been wiped out by COVID. The start of this year, I thought, oh, no, this is going to be more of the same. They barely beat Tarleton State. Uh, they were beat by, who were they beat? The Texas second, Southern. They beat by Texas Southern. And at halftime of their game against VCU, they did not look good. From yeah. that moment on, they've just hit the gas pedal. It's remarkable. Yeah. So, and they did it in Brooklyn. They did it on a trip back east. They Bobby did it with his dad in the stands. Yeah. I mean, oh. it's a cool story. Yeah, it really is. Um, now, I wouldn't get used to 60% shooting from this team. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't get used to them shooting 30% like they had in, in a lot of their games either. But for them to do this, and they don't have their full complement. I mean, Marcus Bagley's hurt again, um, which is kind of a regular occurrence. Jemiah Neal hasn't played yet, and apparently he had a great offseason. So when they're whole, this is going to be an interesting team. I'm not predicting any any lofty stuff for them in the Pac-12. Uh, they're going to be a difficult team to deal with in the conference. A I, step forward. Yes, a step forward because they have more depth and more length than they've had. This Warren Washington kid's been great so far. Um, it was exciting. And to see that, I, I kept waiting for Michigan to make their run, right. and they never made their run, and credit goes to ASU for that. And yeah. what this probably proves that if they played in the Big Ten, the sixth or seventh best team in the division would probably be Tarleton. <laughs> Great point. There we go. We're all rebooted. Fresh hour reboot every morning at uh, 730. Coming up next, we will talk football with Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio. That is straight ahead on the Friday edition of Bickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We continue the Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Octune Community Studios here on Arizona Sports. Talking football, pro football talks, Mike Florio, our guest, and he joins us now on the Arizona Sports Line. Mike, good morning. How are you? Hey, how are you guys today? Doing well, thanks. Um, we've been talking a lot, uh, you know, leading up to Monday Night Football. Cardinals are still in this thing because of the log jam that exists in the in the NFC. But I'd like to get your thoughts on their place in that log jam. Uh, is it just happenstance, or you think they still have a chance to make some noise this season, Mike? Well, anybody who isn't mathematically eliminated has a chance. And I know that sounds trite and cliche, but we have seen time and again that a team hovering around 500 right around Thanksgiving gets hot for whatever reason, gets healthy, something clicks, players develop confidence, you get a good stretch of games, you get a lucky bounce. 
confidence leads to more confidence. Teams sometimes peak too early. You know, I wonder whether or not the Vikings are putting it all together well before they really need to mm-hmm. if they want to try to be a Super Bowl contender. So there are a lot of things that can still go the Cardinals' way. But one of the keys is being as healthy as possible. We've seen time and again the teams that end up having the best seasons are the teams that stay the healthiest, and the teams that struggle through injury after injury after injury, they have a hard time being as good as they can be. So Cardinals aren't done yet, but they need to be as healthy as possible. And at some point, you just need to win games. And, you know, I I saw Aaron Rodgers say last night that they could win their final six games if they play up to their potential. Well, the problem is the other team is always trying to play up to its potential, too, and something's got to give. That's that's one of the great things about football, and the talent gap is unlike ever before in that there isn't one. So, yeah, I think the Cardinals could still do it. I think they should be happy to be at four and six. They have a vibe or have had a vibe this year that would suggest they'd be worse than four and six. So they're in a good spot. And if they can win a couple more and get to around 500 as December comes, they, they could they could get hot down the stretch. All right, let's talk about that vibe. For the first nine weeks, this offense in Arizona, as you're probably well aware, has just been I mean, atrocious, I don't think is as strong enough of a word for for just how much regression has taken place here. Colt McCoy comes in against a Rams team that was pretty disengaged, a Rams team that really doesn't have a whole lot going for them, and this offense looked different. It looked crisper, it wasn't great, but they found a way to win. What does that tell you about everything that's going on here in Arizona? What do you think of this situation between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray? Well, and I'm not ready to say that the offense has regressed. I think the more accurate way to put it would be the rest of the NFL has, has figured it out. It's a system and a system that is always the same that can work in college. It doesn't work in the NFL In the NFL matchups are critical. Film study is critical. Game planning is critical. And if you have devices in your offense that the defense can predict and figure out and devise ways to stop. If they can crack the code on what you're doing, what does your system then evolve to? You have to constantly be trying to stay ahead of the curve. You have to be scouting yourself and spotting your flaws and and changing things out before the defense figures out how to shut you down. And this is one of the criticisms I have of college coaches coming to the NFL because at the college level – if you just have better athletes, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can call out your own plays to the other team, and they still can't stop you if yeah. you've got better athletes. At the NFL level, everybody's got better athletes. Everybody's got great players. And a system isn't going to get you to where you need to be. And when you consider Cliff Kingsbury had no coaching experience at the NFL level, how does he even begin to understand what it takes to, to truly prepare, you know, the Sean Payton, Bill Belichick way of methodically grinding and grinding and grinding. So I really think that's it. So you bring in a different quarterback and all that film you've been studying based on Kyler Murray is irrelevant. And then you get a little bit of a bump on a short-term basis with Colt McCoy. Now they can go back and look at last year's film, but still it's not the same as having the regular quarterback in there. And, and we'll see if it can last if Kyler Murray misses any more time. But I think, I think it's, it's that simple. It's a college offense in a pro game, and pro defenses are going to be more apt to figure it out. And I don't think they do enough to stay ahead of what the defenses have figured out 
to use against it. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, we've also been treated to two episodes of the Cardinals on Hard Knocks in season, only the second time the league has done this. Uh. Uh, and there was a situation uh, that, that you know popped up with the Cardinals with Eno Benjamin being released suddenly, and there's all kinds of rumors and speculation about it. We didn't see anything on Hard Knocks. We don't know if we're going to see anything next week. I'm wondering, because you're a guy who knows about the inner workings of the NFL. Heck, you wrote a book on the whole subject. Oh, yeah. How much knowledge do you have, Mike, on, on the level of editorial control that NFL teams have in, in the Hard Knocks process? It's complete and total. I've got a chapter in Playmakers about it. The only time that there was anything twice, that, that, that embarrassing moment when Antonio Cromartie struggles to remember the names of all of his kids, mm-hmm. all the Jets had to say is we don't want that in there, and it wouldn't have been in there. That made him look bad, and that was unfortunate. And then in 2018, when Hugh Jackson was basically pulling the Al Haig card in the meeting room with the coaches, he and Todd Haley were going back and forth about whether or not you keep veteran players rested in training camp or use them. And Hugh Jackson thought it made him look good. It made him look inept. Um, but, but, yeah, the team has full and complete control. It's not a true documentary. It's an infomercial. And frankly, I don't watch it for that reason. And my decision was vindicated when I saw someone tweet that in the first episode, the way that Cliff Kingsbury's departure was characterized from Texas Tech, it sounded voluntary, not you're fired. Uh And again, that's the benefit of being not just the subject of the quote unquote documentary, but the producer of the documentary, because NFL Films is the NFL, is the Cardinals and the other 31 teams. They are not going to produce something that gives us a real story. They're going to produce something that gives us the story that they want us to think is real. Mm. Very, very well said. Uh, and it also applies with Patrick Peterson, who went full on after the owner and the GM after that Minnesota game. Not a peep of that. And I thought, this is a guy that belongs in the Cardinals ring of honor, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're right. Look, and and whether it's part of the deal that's done when you agree to do hard knocks or whether it's just implicit in the whole setup, you're never going to get anything that embarrasses the team. And and, and look, you know, the team doesn't have to say yes to it for the end season. I mean, they can tap people on the shoulder and make them do the – preseason hard knocks and they want to do this as a way to to make a team look good it's just we just have to right and and it's good that you guys are raising this because for 20 years now the nfl has had its own in-house media outlet nfl.com nfl network and i feel like so many fans don't realize that and i'm not saying don't rely on those resources i'm just saying make sure you understand what you're getting when you go there it's it's the house Organ. It's the 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 NFL with its own vehicle for presenting itself to the world. Of course, there are going to be things that aren't said that otherwise would be said, and of course, we're going to be fed a narrative that may not mesh with the way things really are. So it's it's just. I'm not saying, like I said, stay away from it. Don't watch Hard Knocks, but just understand that you're not going to get the whole story. 
because it's the NFL giving you that story. Exactly. All right, finally, the NFC, you know, you, we've got some really good teams, some good stories, but what quarterbacks do you trust to seal the deal? I think you can ask that question in Minnesota, in Philly, in Dallas, up and down. Help make sense, uh, before we let you go, Mike, uh, of, of what you think is going to happen in the NFC in the coming five, six weeks. I suspect there are some very happy people in Minnesota this morning now that the Packers are 4-7 and seven and maybe one loss away from being done, and they go to Philadelphia in nine days. Because the last thing you want to do is go, you know, 13-4, and four, end up as the two-seed, and have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers come to town as the seventh-seed. That would not be a good way to start the playoffs <laughs> no. if you're the Minnesota Vikings. No. Yeah. And, and I'll take it a step farther now. Now that it looks like we can probably begin the process of scratching off the Packers. The Buccaneers are going to win the NFC South. I can't imagine the Falcons. That team that we saw eight days ago against the Panthers, that team's not catching the Buccaneers. Look at how the Buccaneers are figuring things out. Now that Tom Brady's put some of the bigger personal issues behind him, he's been playing better. The team's been playing better. They're going to get in as the fourth seed. They won the Super Bowl two years ago as the five seed. Uh-huh. Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins, I, 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 now look, the thing about the Vikings that's confounding is they're changing narratives before our very eyes. They did it with that that roller coaster through a fun house in a haunted house, and it was every <laughs> carnival ride thrown into one in the second half of that game in overtime on Sunday. So maybe Cousins is changing, but Tom Brady versus Kirk Cousins. Tom Brady versus Jimmy Garoppolo. Tom Brady versus Geno Smith. We just saw that movie. Tom Brady versus Jalen Hurts. Yep. I, I, Tom Brady's got 47 career playoff games. 47. <laughs> His next one will be 48, the equivalent of three old-school 16-game seasons wow. of just single elimination, winner-go-home games. I, I'm telling you, it's you know it's exciting to have all these new teams in the mix, and the Eagles are great, and the Vikings are doing well, and the Seahawks are unexpectedly good. Yada yada yada. Wait till it's time for Tommy and company to show up and and remind everyone who's boss when January rolls around. I think all those playoff teams in the NFC uh, should be very concerned about what Tom Brady can do in the postseason. Mike, fantastic stuff as yeah. always. Thanks so Thank much you, for brother. joining us. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Mike Florio. Pro Football Talk breaking it down for us today here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Bick's got the blast on the Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.